Hey, welcome to Younger and Older. This is Jason and Dave hanging out, as always, at the studios of Relate365.com. At Silver Birch Ranch here in the Northwoods of Wisconsin. And uh, we're just hanging out and having fun, talking about, man, I feel like there's been plenty to talk about lately. The world, the world's kind of crazy at the moment. But, yeah, it is. Um, we've been talking uh, just about everyday stuff from two different perspectives. Dave's a boomer. I'm a quasi-millennial. What, what do you think? Now, have you been paying attention at all to any news? Uh, yeah, a little bit. A little bit. So what do, you, what do you think of what's going on in Washington with, you know, of course, these are recorded, so we're on the front side of the the uh, inauguration yet so we yep. haven't seen the inauguration we've just got through with the impeachment yep so yep. what are your thoughts you're a young guy what are your thoughts you're looking at the nation you're looking at this whole process your candid thoughts are what there was a game we used to play when i was a kid called fruit basket upset <laughs> yeah <laughs> i feel like it's a fruit basket upset at the moment like it's just utter chaos yeah you know and i feel like nobody nobody's getting along nobody's on the same page and it's just a mess. Yeah. Do they want to get along? I uh, that's questionable. They say they do on one hand, but on the other hand, they just you know. I mean the the reality is 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 understanding who we are from a scriptural perspective. You know we're we're sinners. Right. You know that's that's who we are, and so at the core of who we are, without Christ, is we're selfish. You know, and so you look at the system that's been created for it, and you have a bunch of selfish people fighting for their selfish wants and needs. And I think that's we're seeing the epitome of that at the moment. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, on on all fronts, you know, and I'm not even like saying sides or anything. I'm just saying on all fronts, and you're seeing that front and center. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's just chaos. Yeah. When hatred rules your heart, yeah, you're in trouble. Right. Because hatred begins to um, kind of permeate everything else in your life, and all you want to do is hurt those who oppose you. Yeah. Uh, if I had if I had my way, I would vote if i could tell all the people in the nation how to vote <laughs> yeah. i would say vote everybody who's in office out yeah they have proven several things that's all yeah they've proven they can't keep a budget yeah we're, we're so far in debt that it's it's disastrous they've proven they cannot get along they have proven that they hate each other and they will do anything they can to make the other group that opposes them look bad yeah They've proven that they want to censor or keep people's opinions off of the internet and off so that they have they have basically said that we as American people aren't smart enough to discern what's right and wrong. Mm -hmm. So we have to keep what's wrong off the internet. Yet pornography goes on and a bunch of other stuff that I would consider wrong. Yeah. But but that's not being attacked. Mm -hmm. So you look at it and you go, okay, that that's getting old. I think that there needs to be a complete reset in Washington, D.C. I think they need to all leave, and we need to get normal people in there that represent everyday people to make decisions that are just logical because their hatred has taken over and they're not thinking clearly. That's yeah. my two cents. No, and, and I agree. Yeah. You know, we've talked about that in previous episodes, how back when, you know, the whole system was created— you know, the people who did it were still did dual jobs. You right. Know, it's like they still did their job. Oftentimes, yep. if they were a farmer, they still tried to do that. You know, I even read an article the other day. I think it was one of the, we had that congr the Senate runoff down in right. Georgia. And I think right. one of them was a pastor or something. Right. 
And I saw that he's going to try to continue being the pastor of his church, yeah. which, you know, whether or not you want to argue that's effective or not, I mean, at least kudos to him for trying. Right. You know, I, that's that's the first thing I thought. It's like, oh, okay, you're still going to try doing it. That's admirable. Yeah. You know. You stay connected with real people. You know, right. people who go to it, where they no longer are connected to the normal person, mm-hmm. they kind of get their perspective warped. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, you take someone like a, a Nancy Pelosi, who is the, whatever she is, Speaker of the House. Yep. They fly her around in her own plane. Yeah. They guard her. They isolate her. They keep her from, how do they ever get in touch again with the normal person? Well, especially when you've done it for so long. Like, I understand the security behind it, because she's, what, three third in line to the presidency yeah. if something were to happen. So I understand that aspect of it. But that's where, like, longevity, you need the limit. You right. know, she's been doing it for I forget how many years. It's been like forever, forever, 40, 50 years. Yeah, and and, you know? and Biden same and Biden, thing. Same I mean, thing. he's, he's what, been forty seven years. He's been forty seven years yeah. doing politics. Yeah, you know, and so at, at what point do you lose touch of the people that you've represented? The I whole think time? you do. I think going out on just uh, you know photo op meetings does not give you perspective. Right. And I think it even it exemplifies the brokenness of our system when you look. I mean, you go back to the election, whether you agree with it, what happened or not. But you look at the two candidates and they're both old geezers. No right. offense to you. Yeah. You know, no, they are compared to me, too. Right. You know, <laughs> I mean, so, yeah. I'm old, but they're older. Yeah, totally. You know, and so you look at that and it's like, you know, is this is this, you know, truly what we want to represent us as a country? Right. You know, I'm just saying like the, the brokenness of the system and the reason that they got chosen as the candidates on both sides is is because either the I mean, it's really because of the, just the the brokenness of the system. You know, Trump was an outsider. And so I think that's why he kind of fruit basket upset four years ago right. and kind of brought in this like, you know, I'm not a career politician sort of thing. And there was an appeal to that. Um, and then you have Biden, you know, where everybody's like, man, we this, he's our only option to try to beat Trump. And that was why we did it. Yeah. And it's like, let's go back to, and we've talked about this before. Let's go back to, all right, what are your policies? What are your policies? And let's choose the best person that represents our policies. Right. You know, but it's it's a totally broken system. For all of you geezers that are now offended. I apologize. It's Jason. Kemper at silverbirchranch.org. That's go right. ahead and let them know. I, <laughs> I, can I just clarify yeah, that I learned that terminology from your generation? Yes, I know. Okay. I know. We're, <laughs> I, I'm actually fine with it. <laughs> you know, bottom line really is there's differences in, in groups right. of people and ages. And what you have to do is learn to celebrate the differences. Right. Uh, and I think there, as you celebrate them, you allow people in different time periods, different ages to express themselves and, and be successful. I mean, one of the most important things I do, I think, personally, is teach children. When, uh, you know, up here, junior camp comes and, and I, I love to teach them. Yep. And I don't love to teach them. I'll go sit with them and play with them and sit out there with them and talk to them. Yeah. Those are real people. Mm-hmm. And and staying connected to them is extremely important. I don't care what age you are. Those are the kids that will talk about things in life. At the end of last junior camp, I, I've learned, I learned a lot of things about our culture. I learned that the school children in general had had it with Zoom. They mm-hmm. don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. That actually, no matter what you say about screen time, they were tired of screen time. Oh, totally. So, I mean, you go through and you say, here's what I know. I know that the average kid, the the real human out there, feels this. Yeah. Which really helps me as a leader lead because I'm able to understand some of those things. 
Mm-hmm. And that's what I think is missing in Washington. Even as I talk to you, yeah. you know, I know I, I, my generation is a generation got locked into watching the evening news. Yeah. You don't do that. No, I don't watch news at all. See, when you say that, I look at it and go, huh? How come? But then again, again, I don't watch TV that much either. So Okay. So uh, when I when I think about it, I go, okay, does do those in Washington understand that you, and by the way, several people your age that I've talked to are, yeah. are the same, do they understand what the normal person is actually doing and thinking? Right. And I don't know. Because they're never around them. Right. Um, so I, I do think that if you're a leader at all in any way, shape, or form, one of the most valuable things for you to do is be a part of a normal populace mm-hmm. uh, somehow. Yeah. And if you have to have guards around you all the time and you have to have entrances and people announce you and you're constantly trying to get people to win over to your side, so you, then you probably will never hear the voice of the normal person. Yeah. And I want to encourage those that are just thinking they're forgotten and normal and powerless, you're still the normal person. Mm-hmm. You know, live in a way that demonstrates what you know and, and what you think and keep getting together with other people and sharing your thoughts and ideas. And, um, you know, you don't, you don't have to be involved in all the social media stuff. You don't have to do that. You don't have to watch the news. Uh, but I tell you, I think those in Washington, my opinion, should all get booted out the next election and we should just elect all new people to go in there. Right. And uh, we're not implying that everybody has to agree. No. You know, but you have to be able to dialogue. Absolutely. You know, and even agree to disagree. I mean, that's, that's, that's how our system is set up. Right. You know. Yeah, we, you know, some of the fundamental rights of the United States of America. Yeah. I think one of the very first ones in the Bill of Rights is the, the freedom of religion. Yeah. Okay, so if you're going to represent this country, you need to understand something. There's a freedom of religion. Right. You should do everything you can to ensure that that remains. Right. That doesn't mean you agree because guess what? Religions don't agree. Mm-hmm. They, they don't. I mean, you can't get them to agree on every point of doctrine. Right. But that shouldn't even be your goal. Your goal is to protect it. When it crosses the line where you're running airplanes into buildings and that kind of thing, okay, then you you know you have to create laws or do things to stop. There's a huge difference between religion and ideology. Right. Huge. Yeah. And and somehow you have to have wisdom to draw that line. Yeah. You know where it is. And so I I think one of the things you'll you won't hear me bashing the freedom of speech of people who disagree with me mm-hmm. in fact i wrote an article the other day that mentioned the fact that uh you know the catholics may say this and they have the right to do that and i might say this as, a, as an evangelical the funny part is i disagree completely with what the catholics said about whatever i was saying right but i would defend their right to say it mm-hmm. and i don't have to believe it yeah and i would ha- be healthy and want a healthy debate with them on how they see things. Mm-hmm. That's all. I, yeah. No hatred, no anger, and that kind of thing. So I don't know. I, I don't know if the, the nation has the courage to vote people out. And I think those who have been voted into Washington, D.C. have set up a system where there's no way to fix it. Yeah. So I think that's a dilemma. And I think that is a dilemma. And, and we've seen that the last couple of elections with, you know, even the concept of a third party candidate. Right. You know, is the idea is fantastic. But within our current system, it makes it impossible. Right. 
I mean, what what would it take for someone like yourself to run for a major office? Oh, it'd be impossible. I mean, exactly. unless I got, you know, what seems like billions of dollars. Lots of money. You'd have to just start and campaigning even, like crazy. And even then, it wouldn't necessarily matter. Yeah. You actually would have to, remember, I don't think they use the term anymore, but they would they would hire spin doctors. Yeah. Where they would spin it so people would think a certain thing about you. Yeah. Is that really what we want? How about going into the community and finding people that do their job, that love people, that love God, and saying, would you run for office? Yeah. What's wrong with that? Mm-hmm. And and until that whole system can tumble down. Yeah. How do systems tumble, though? I mean, you have to change the system so it has to be recognized as broken. Those who are in control of it are guarding it. Yeah. So how do you get to the point where you recognize it's broken? Yeah. You know? I would say we're looking at it. Yeah, well. <laughs> whether the, whether we're past that bark or not, but I'd, I mean, I would yeah. say anybody that looks at the system right now would be like, all right, something's wrong here. Yeah. For those that love to read, I would encourage you, first and foremost, read the Bible. Yeah. Even if you don't love to read. Secondly, you can read uh, church history, different people. You, um, you can read a guy like Wormbrand, who who was a believer and and suffered tremendously um, under com- uh, under Nazi rule, I believe. But here's here's one of the most important things to realize is that history gives us a really clear picture of how demise happens. But most of us don't want to look at history. I, I was talking to somebody last night. Do you, did you like history in school? Sometimes. I hated history. I some it depends on what the topic was. Some yeah. some of the topics interested me, but you know, we studied like Mesopotamia, Egypt, and all that. Yeah, I don't know what that has like to do with me. Yeah, you know, and that could be a very selfish perspective. No, as a kid, that's um, a normal perspective. But there was some some history that that I thought was interesting. What made it interesting? Um, because I think it had a more direct impact on either where we are today or significant you know events in history yeah you know i found it interesting you know we did obviously we studied the holocaust right you know and whether interesting is the right word for it but there was an intrigue to learn like man how did this even happen yeah you know and and how can we make sure it doesn't happen again you know so there's certain events in history it's like all right how did this take place and how do we prevent it from happening and yeah you know and and but i mean there was a good chunk of history it's like yeah well, that's my point exactly. I think I think what happens any in any school system, any teacher, we can teach facts, and and I think the person I was talking to last night basically said, yeah, the test you had to memorize dates, facts, you know that kind of thing, as if when you know that you know history. Yeah. So you know that you know I mean King Louis the Fourth or something lived here and had that palace and had this whatever, yeah. and and you sit there and think, why do I need to know about that? And I think the good teachers, what they did was they they made history live so it actually mattered. And and really that's what was important is that here's why you need to know this. Mm -hmm. Because when I grew up, I I couldn't stand history, but now I read all kinds of historical books to try and figure out why things happened the way they did and then parallel them to the United States and how we're going. Yeah. In the process... I think my wife thinks I'm troubled 
because I am troubled. I mean, when I look at it, I go, this isn't healthy. We're yeah. not healthy. There's an erosion process that's taking place to mm. you know, in the United States of America. Erosion is not something that in the middle of it you notice. Right. But when you get a distance, you go, how'd the Grand Canyon get formed? Mm-hmm. That's gorgeous. Let's make another one. Right. Well, that took a while. Right. And by the way, erosion, when it happens, it it's hard. You don't really reverse it. Mm-hmm. It changes the landscape forever. Right. And as I look at the United States of America, I look at the church in the United States of America, I think I see this erosion process taking place. And unless we do something, mm-hmm. I don't think we can do anything about the changes that have already been made. But unless we do something now, that erosion process is going to continue to take away some things that have been very valuable to us. And in the erosion process, what it takes away usually goes with the water and mixes somewhere and disappears. Yeah. And uh, that's just very interesting to me. So I thought, you know what I want to do? I'm, I'm going to go into First Timothy okay. and, uh, and just kind of read some things. And as the oldest guy in the room would be the Apostle Paul. He's not in the room, but if he was. And he's talking to Timothy, and I thought, younger, older, there's Paul, the older guy, talking to Timothy. And he gives him some principles. And, and basically, what I would like the listeners to do and what, what I want to talk to you about is, do you see the erosive things here that need to be stopped? There are things eroding that, that in other words, things that we have deemed acceptable that shouldn't be, uh, habits that we have formed as a nation that we should get out of. Right. Those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So are we willing to recognize them and do something about it? That's the question. Absolutely. So you, it starts simple. I'm not going to make comment on everything, but it says, you know, Paul, Apostle, Christ Jesus, verse 1 in First Timothy 1, uh, by the command of our God and Savior and Christ Jesus, our hope. To Timothy, my true child in faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father, Jesus Christ our Lord. So, so what is it, just interesting, which usually happens, is Paul identifies himself as one that's in a position to help and, and has authority from God to speak. Yeah. Okay, that's simple. It's not. Uh, one of the things I think that your generation, my generation taught you from the 60s was authority is bad. You need to be your own authority. Well, sorry, that doesn't work. Yeah, there is an authority. There, you've heard me say it a lot. You know, there's a God. I'm not Him. That, yeah. that's a very important distinction. Yeah, because one day we close our eyes on this life and we will open them, and there'll be God, and He's in charge, and we are. We will admit that He's God. So will everyone else who's denied Him. Mm-hmm. And those who denied Him will be very upset at that moment, mm-hmm. and there will be no hope for them. So there is an authority, and that's you know. So Paul usually, when he writes, he he starts saying, "Like it or not, there's an authority." Yeah. You know, I mean, in the summer, you're in charge of the program. Yeah. What if somebody says, "No, I'm in charge now." They're not. Yeah, they're, you can say all you want. Yeah. yeah. So an eight-year-old comes to you and says, "I'll I'll take over." It's like. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's like us going to God. You know, yeah. it's like, okay, God, thanks. I I, I appreciate your views. Yeah. Why don't I take over from here? And you look at him and think, <laughs> no capability. That's why. Yeah. Yep. And and that's all Paul starts with here. So I think if if you're healthy, anything that erodes anything, and you would have to look at your own life, but anything that erodes the idea that there is an absolute authority in your life, mm-hmm. 
is dangerous. Yeah. There is. I think, and we could go through the whole time, but I think it's important you identify the healthy authority. Mm-hmm. God is a healthy authority. Yeah. What would you think if I, if I were to tell you, okay, tell me a person, the qualities of a person that you would say that would be a healthy leader and I would follow them. What would they look like? You know, somebody, somebody who kind of does it alongside you, almost like a servant leader. Okay, exactly. Know? Servant leader would be great. That's yeah. exactly. Paul, the apostle Paul is not going to tell Timothy anything he hasn't done. Right, right. When I, uh, I remember I was talking to a group of students that were at camp. Uh, they were from another place, and they were trying to figure out how we operated. And, and they came to me, and I said, well, you know, really all of our staff needs to serve. Mm-hmm. I said, really? I said, yeah, we, you know, we schedule men and out of dish crew. We get mainly everyone needs to plunge a toilet if it needs plunging. I mean, yep. the whole staff needs to. And they, they kept questioning me on that. I would go on to something else and they would come back to that. And I, I thought, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. They said, so when's the last time you did dishes? I said, last week. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. That's how we do it. Right. And, and I said, you know what? In, in, in the long run of things, Yes, I am not scheduled for dish crew on Thursdays when everyone else is because I teach a class. Right. Other than that, I would be scheduled. Right. And I was scheduled when I used to teach it in the morning, but mm-hmm. I teach it in the afternoon now, so there's no way to both do dishes and teach my class. But other than that, I'm everyone else is scheduled. Oh, yeah, and I've seen you do dishes yeah. before. Yeah, so, I mean, it's one of those things where, okay, if you're a leader and you ask people to do things that you won't do, Mm-hmm. You're not a good leader. Right. So that's number one quality. Number two, I think, is is you need to, to have, the leader needs to have what's best for you in mind because that's a hard thing to, mm. to discern. Yeah. Um, not what's convenient, not what's just, they need to actually think what's best. So you as a dad, you look at your children. Mm-hmm. You need to learn to teach them to not, you know, moan about something, or whatever you want to teach them. Sometimes it's hard, yeah, because you look mean, or you you want to teach them. Okay, you 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 need to think about how you spend money. Yeah. Well, I want to buy this debt. I, I don't think that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Then they call you one who doesn't care about their feelings, and so you put yourself as a leader in a position where you're not giving people everything they want, but you're looking and saying, what would be the best in this situation? What would be the best thing I could do to teach them? Right. That's a good leader. Mm-hmm. And not for their own sake, because that's harder than just saying, do what you want. Yeah. And uh, I remember uh, I had a, a girl last weekend up here that grew up in our club system, and she was up here for a high school retreat, and I was just catching up with her on the day she was going home. And right about when she was going to leave, um, she said, oh, yeah, I got to go on there. They're packing the truck. And, and she said, ah, no, my suitcase is so heavy. And I brought this weighted blanket. And I'm looking at her and I'm thinking, okay, that's, she's, she is about four foot tall. <laughs> you know, I, and I'm thinking, okay, you, okay, weighted blanket, suitcase. And she kept going, so I got to go make a couple trips. And I said, where's your cabin? And she told me and it's a long walk from her cabin to where yeah. And I just look. I said, "Okay, can I go? I got. My, I have my my gator here. Can I go pick that up for you? <gasps> you do that. I'll go do that. You know. What I mean, I. So I went down, picked picked it up, came up, and as I got there, there were some younger leaders with a group that were standing, loading you know, luggage into a truck, 
And I said, you know, th this, she just had a lot of weight, so I went and got it. She, and immediately they said, well, she should have carried it up. I mean, she's got to learn this stuff. Mm -hmm. And I thought, hmm. you know what? I think she just did, and I carried it up. I think she understood that if you're going to bring this kind of stuff, that, that somebody else is going to be either inconvenienced or something to help you if they do. Yeah. However, it was also a privilege of mine to be able to go and, and help her when she had a need. Yeah. You are drawing a line because of your own self-centeredness. You won't even you don't want to pick it up. Yeah. I'm 65 years old. I'm picking it up. Right. And putting it where it belongs. And eventually I think they got the story. It's like, why don't you help people? Yeah. And I think when you look for you know, when I when I remember my my dad as a guy who was a pastor of a church and working at camp and starting it he very seldom asked us to go up and do a hard job at camp that he didn't lead. Mm -hmm. So normally, when I look at it now, I don't know how he did it, but he would he would drive us up on a Friday night mm -hmm. after school. We wouldn't get here till midnight often by the time we got together and they got out, you know, 11 o'clock, yeah. something like that. The next day, if we were pouring cement for a building, he was up before any of us to get breakfast ready. Yeah. Then he went out with us to pour the cement, spread it, do all the work. Then he went and made sure people were there for lunch for us. And then he drove all the way home. Yeah. And then he spoke the next day in church. Mm -hmm. There was none of us that could say, you're not pulling your weight. No, nobody there could look at this leader and say, you... You don't do what you ask us to do. Not one person could do that. Mm -hmm. And I think the people that um, were under that kind of leadership benefits benefited so tremendously. Yeah. Those are the leaders to me to this day that you can trust, not those who go in a committee meeting, come out wielding their power and tell you what to do and it benefits them. Mm -hmm. That That isn't leadership. Right. And it's not that we don't want people to benefit. I mean, that's, I've told young people who've gone through MBI many times, I, we've talked, we, we eventually talk about um, money, retirement, that kind of thing. And I say, you know what, I'm not overly worried about retirement. And I just look at them and say, because all of you will take care of me. <laughs> and they just look at me and think, why? Why? Because for 40, 50 years, I've served you here. Mm -hmm. And that's your responsibility. And I will be cared for by, by you somehow. And I'm not talking about necessarily financially or anything else. I mean, whatever it might be. Yeah, it's a foreign concept, though, to to think. I have obligation within relationships. Mm -hmm. I, as an older guy, have an obligation to young people. Yeah, they, as young people, have an obligation to me in a healthy world, mm -hmm. not because you force them to, but because it's right. Yeah, you know, if your uh, dad ever gets sick or whatever. You have an obligation, right? And and it should be a privilege, not not something you push away from. So, absolutely. Looking at those are the kind of leaders you want in your life. The leaders understand those obligations. They understand what's best, and etc. Yeah, yeah. No, and I think that's really good. And so, as as always, I think it's it's an engaging discussion that we've been having. And as as always, I feel like we run out of time, and that's where we're at today. So we if did. you if you missed part of this episode, I encourage you to head over to Relate Three Sixty Five. 
Oh, yeah, dot com. Man, you're the dot com guy. You missed I was. I, I, I was reading on in First Timothy here, so they'll have right. to join us again. Yeah, yeah, guys will have to tune in and we'll, we'll, as, we'll just continue the discussion where we leave off every time. But head over there. You know, you could re listen to this um, or even check out some of the other podcasts that we do that Dave does and, and all that. But uh, we enjoy hanging out with you, we enjoy engaging in discussion. If you ever want to, you know, us to discuss something, reach out to us. We'd love to uh, talk, tackle any anything, really. So, anyways, this is Jason and Dave here on Younger and Older. We'll see you next time. Take care. Bye bye.